We are in Yavamos, the very bottom of Men Gimel with a new Mishnah. We are starting a new Mishnah, and we'll see, hopefully we'll be able to cover the Mishnah and the entire Gemara on that Mishnah in this recording. The Mishnah says as follows, there are three different cases in this Mishnah, three independent cases. For case number one, we have a situation here where there are four brothers of many other brothers, as we will see in the Gemara. So we have four brothers. They were married to four women. They're, they're all married. They're not, nobody's, none of the wives are related to each other. Just They're married to four different women. And the husbands, they all die without children. So the Mishnah, case number one of the Mishnah says that if the oldest of the brothers, we've had in the past that the oldest brother uh, should really be the one that does Yibam, if he wants to do Yibam with all four, he is allowed to. He's allowed to do Yibam with all four. And the Gemara will explain exactly what is this coming to teach us. Why, why would you think not? Um, what is the point of this uh, first case? Case number two is also a point uh, that we've seen in the past. Misha So case number two is where there's one person who's married to two women. He passes away. The law is that doing yibum to one of the co-wives exempts the other one. The other one is now allowed to marry whoever she wants or doing chalitza with one of them. If he does chalitza with one, so let's say uh, the deceased brother is married to Rachel and Leah, so to do yibum to Rachel allows Leah to marry, to marry whoever she wants or doing chalitza to Rachel allows Leah to marry whomever she wants. That's case number two. And finally, case number three. Now, a similar case where there's one man who passes away without any children and he's married to two uh, women. Uh, but the case here is where one of them is allowed to marry a Kohen. The other one was in a previous marriage and she got divorced from a, from a different marriage, from a previous marriage. So she's not allowed to marry a Kohen. So the second wife, let's say Rachel and Leah, and Leah was divorced in a previous marriage, so she's not allowed to marry a Kohen. The Mishnah gives us advice, as we will see in the Gemara. The Mishnah gives advice and says, you know what, if you're going to do Chalitza, better you should do Chalitza to the one who already cannot marry a Kohen, to Leah. Leah is not allowed to marry a Kohen anyways, because she was already previously divorced. Somebody who's divorced is not allowed to marry a Kohen. So do Chalitza to her, because somebody... A chalutza, a woman who did chalitza, is also not allowed to marry a kohen. So why should we make it into a situation where they both can't marry a kohen? We should just, she should, the yavam, the brother-in-law, should do chalitza to the one who already cannot marry a kohen. So that at least the other one, Rachel, could still have the opportunity to marry a kohen. It's just, uh, as we'll see in the Gemara, it's, it's, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do so that we don't make it more difficult for Rachel. Okay, the Gemara now will get into all three cases. So case number one. Case number one of the Mishnah was discussing the case where there were four brothers who were married and all four brothers passed away. So the Gemara says, Were there only four brothers? If there were only four brothers and they all passed away, so then nobody's there to do Yibam. There's no live brother in around. So the Gemara says, It must be that when the Mishnah said, it was not that there's only four brothers, but there are four brothers amongst many other brothers. So there's other brothers who are alive. So the Mishnah says, Harishus Biyado, the oldest is allowed to do Yibam. The oldest one uh, allows Yibam to all four, to all four women. women. So the Gemara asks, Vishavkile, we're actually going to allow him to do Yibam to all four women? And Rashi explains, uh, how can we do this? That means he has to support all of them. And who says that he has the ability to support all of them? Why would we encourage him 
Some of the commentators explain that the language of the Mishnah means that we encourage him to do Yibam to all four. Why should we encourage him to marry four women? It's going to be very expensive. He has to support all of them. Why would we suggest that? Let him at least do Chalitza. Vatanya. We have an Abraisa. We say that uh, the elders, those who are on the Beisdin, if it's not a good Shidduch, if it's not going to work out, so then they should say so. Don't do Yibam. Don't, if it's not going to end up being a, a healthy, uh, productive marriage, don't do Yibam. Do Chalitza. As the Brisa says, Vicarlo Zikna Iro, this is just the first half of the Brisa, so we quote it, it's not really connected, but uh, the verse says that the elders of the city uh, should call him, Hein Veloshluchon. The elders of the city, they have to uh, bring the Yavim, the brother in law, to the basin, to the court, and not through a messenger. They have to go directly to the to the Yavim, to the brother in law. Vidabru Elab, but this is the main point, Vidibru Elab, they speak to him, what do they say? They give him with the they give him the proper advice. If it's not a good chidduch, if it's not going to work out, let's say he's very young and the sister-in-law is very old, who's zakin be he yalda? The opposite, he's old and she's young. We tell him better that you don't cause a fight within the family. They're going to get married. It's not going to be a good relationship. Better to find somebody that's really for you. So don't don't go through Yibim, even though there is a mitzvah of Yibim, do Chalitza, go and do Chalitza uh, to these women if it's not right for you, uh, instead of leading to a, a bad marriage. But the point of the Gemara is that if, if these four women from these four different brothers now fall to Yibim, and uh, the Mishnah is saying that he should do Yibim to all four, but it's gonna, it could potentially lead to a, a, a very difficult situation financially. So the Gemara answers, no, the case here is where He's, he's, he's wealthy and he's able to support all four. So the Gemara then says, if that's the case that we're dealing with, if this is the case, so then even if it's more than four, even if it's more than four, we should say that uh, we should say that he should be able to do Yibam if, they, let's say there were five brothers who passed away or six brothers who passed away without any children, he should be able to do Yibam with all of them. Why did we stop at four? So the Gemara gives a very interesting answer. The Gemara says, You're right, but they're just giving us advice. Why? Are bought in Tfelos specifically four and not more than four. So that there is at least once a month, uh, there's an Ona Bechodesh, that at least once a month he's having relations with each of uh, the wives. So, what does that mean exactly? Let's, uh, we need a little bit of, of an explanation to what the Gemara exactly is saying. So, there is a mitzvah of Ona. There's a mitzvah for the couple to have marital relations. The truth is, is that this mitzvah, this responsibility, falls on the husband uh, to make sure that his wife is having uh, is having marital that they're having marital relations. But the responsibility is on the husband to satisfy his wife. That is what the responsibility is. It's on the husband to make sure that his wife is uh, is satisfied. Um, there, depending on uh, on the marriage, there's a it's a called a mitzvah. Ona, how many times? They should have relations within a week or within a certain time period depends on the situation. It depends on the job that the husband has and it depends if he's traveling. And it, and there's a separate Gemara that discusses that in greater uh, detail. But the Gemara also says that a Talmud Chacham, a Torah scholar, should uh, have relations with his wife once, once a week. They should have relations once a week. And so, so too in this case, if... We're dealing with a case where they're having marital relations once a week, so then there are four women, so then he would be having marital relations with each one once a month. Uh, now, uh, it is important to note a couple of things. 
this mitzvah ona, ona literally means time. It means time. That's literally what it means. And the point is that time has to be set aside to work and enhance the relationship. And that it could exist both in the context of having marital relations and outside the context of, uh, of the physical marital relations, but outside that context as well. The point is, is that time has to be set aside. There's, there's a responsibility on the husband to make sure that time is set aside to work and develop uh, that relationship. That is point number one. Point number two, and this is mentioned by some of the commentators, is that this actually uh, wouldn't solve the problem. That if we have that each wife is really just having marital relations once a month, that's not what the expectation was. The expectation was, let's say, once a week. Let's say if it was a Torah scholar. Uh, so how could this be allowed? Uh, so the Ritva, the Ritva gives a fascinating explanation, and he explains uh, that this is actually, what the Gemara is saying is really as follows. Uh, the Gemara is saying that this is different than a regular marriage. It's true. A regular marriage is when the husband and the wife, they agree to get married, uh, and it's, it's their own decision. It comes from their own consent and their own decision to get married. And when that's the case, so then there's an obligation on the husband, either once a week or depending on the job, uh, and, and who the husband is, uh, so that would impact how often there is this obligation, as, as an obligation, as a responsibility on the husband. However, Yibam is a different type of a marriage. Fascinating idea. It says Yibam is a different type of a marriage. Since it's a different type of a marriage, it, it was created by Hashem, really. It was with that, really, the, the, the bond, the zika, the bond, the connection, was created by Hashem uh, without their consent. And so therefore, there is no mitzvah of ona. The Ritva says that in this type of marriage, there is no mitzvah of ona. Uh, we give advice that they should, they should at least uh, have some, some form of marital relation. They should do it uh, a certain amount of times. But, uh, and for, in this case, it's once a month for each woman. Uh, but uh, there is no uh, actual obligation as a responsibility upon the husband because this is a different type of marriage. It's not a marriage that both of them come into through uh, consent. And they're or really willingly on their own, but this is a type of marriage where Hashem said that there is this bond, and that would impact the marriage itself and the different responsibilities that exist within uh, the marriage. It's a, it's a very interesting idea of the ritva. Okay, the Gemara now continues, and the Gemara moves on to the second case, case number two. Case number two is where there is a husband who is married to two women, Rachel and Leah, and the Mishnah says. A principle that we've been discussing the entire time, that if you do Yibam to one, to Rachel, then Leah is allowed to marry whoever she wants. Or if you do Chalitza to Rachel, Leah can then go ahead and marry whoever she wants. So the Gemara questions this and says, how do we know that this is true? So the Gemara asks as follows, Why can't you do Yibam to both? Why can't I do Yibam to both Rachel and to Leah? Amar 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 Beis The verse says, uh, so that he should not build his brother's house. That you that the verse says that the Yavim can only build one house. There's only one house that the brother builds from the deceased brother, but not two. He's only allowed to build one house. He's only allowed to marry one sister-in-law. He's not allowed to marry both. That's how we know that you're not allowed to do Yavim to both Rachel and Leah, who are co-wives. Okay, fine. So you're, allowed, you're not allowed to do Yavim to both. Fine, so let us do chalitza uh, to both. Why can't you do chalitza to both? That maybe there is still a bond and a connection that you'd have to do chalitza to both. The Gemara gives a similar drasha, a similar expounding of the verse. Amar Marzutra Bar Tovia, Marzutra Bar Tovia said, Amar Kra, Beis Cholitz Hanal, Beis Echadu Cholitz, Ein Cholitz, Shnei 
Abatim. The verse says, Beis Chalatana'al, with regards to the house of removing of the shoe of Chalitza, that there's only one. There's only one house and not two. So you can only do Chalitza to one of the two co-wives. Parenthetically, the name here of Marzutra Bartuvia, he's Marzutra, the son of Tuvia. Tuvia is another name for Moshe. For Moshe, and we don't really find the name of Moshe being used amongst uh, the Amaraim from the times of the Gemara and the times of the Mishnah. Uh, we don't find the name of Moshe. We don't really find the name of Avram as being so common today. It is more common uh, to name the, to name uh, children Moshe and Avram, but apparently these, those were names that were designated, and they didn't really use those names here. The name Tovia occurs, which is another name for Moshe. It's a different name for Moshe, uh, but we don't really find the name Moshe too often as a name which is found amongst people from the times of the Mishnah and the Gemara. That's a parenthetical point. The Gemara now continues and says, okay, you're not allowed to do Yivam to both. You're not allowed to do Chalitza to both. But what about as follows? And here we will now use the uh, uh, a different girsa, a different version, which is found by the Bach, by one of the commentators on the side. He says, um, Why can't I do Chalitza to one and then Yibam to the... To the second one, so I could do chalitza to Rachel and then yibum to Leah. No, that you can't do. Amar kra asher lo yivna kevin shelobana shuv lo yivna. That the idea is that you're not allowed to do that because once you did chalitza and you made the decision, you made that decision to not uh, get married and not continue the relationship of uh, of that deceased brother. So then you're not allowed to do it with any of the other uh, co-wives. So why can't I do the opposite? And this is the last case. So I'm not allowed to do chalitza first because once I do chalitza, so then I'm basically saying there's no relationship here at all to exist. But let me do yibam first and then chalitza to the second one. So let me do yibam to Rachel and then chalitza to Leah. Why can't I do that? Amar Kra, the Pasuk says, no, you can't do that. Im lo the Gemara essentially says that there's a principle. If I did Yibam to Rachel and then, and then potentially Chalitza to Leah, that can't be done. Why? Because if I did Yibam to Rachel, I certainly cannot do Yibam to Leah. That's what we had earlier. You can only do Yibam to one of the co-wives. Uh, that's true. Maybe, so maybe I should be able to do Chalitza. The Gemara says no. Chalitza only exists if there's the potential for Yibam. It's sort of like the Gemara is saying, Chalitza is always the backup for Yibam. It's like the backup for Yibam. If I'm able to do Yibam, so now I have an option. I could do Yibam or I could do Chalitza. But in this case, I'm not allowed to do Yibam to Leah because I already did Yibam to Rachel, to one of the co-wives. Then there's no option for Yibam to the other co-wife. So since there's no option of Yibam to the other co-wife, I'm not allowed to do Chalitza either because Chalitza only exists if there's a potential for Yibam. There is no potential for Yibam in this case and so therefore there is no option of Chalitza. The Gemara adds, V'od, furthermore, another reason, and some don't have this version, but another reason is, Shelo yomru bayis miksaso banu miksaso chalutz. There's a concern. A second reason is that we don't want people to say that that he did yibam to part of the house and did Chalitza to the other part of the house. The point of yibam in general is the idea of a continuation of the first marriage. And we don't want people to say, ah, oh, they're continuing part of the first marriage and not part of the... But, but they're not continuing part of the first marriage. Part they are continuing with one wife, but not with the other wife. So we don't want to say people will think that you're allowed to do Yibam with one and, and Chalitza with the other. It, it, it's not right to have Yibam with one and uh, and then Chalitza with the other, that you're building that first marriage with one, but not with the other. The Gemara says, I understand, what's the problem? Why can't we say that? What's, what's wrong with that? Why can't we say that? 
So the Gemara says that really it's a, it's a rabbinic uh, decree, according to this uh, explanation, that we don't do this, because out of concern. What's the concern? Because if people will see that they did Yibam to Rachel and then Chalitza to Leah, they won't realize the order. They're not going to recognize the order and they'll think, you know, maybe I can flip it. I can do Chalitza to Rachel and then Yibam to Leah. But that we know you can't do. If you did Chalitza already, once you started to do Chalitza, we know you're not allowed to do Chalitza, to, you're not allowed to do Yibam with the other one. Once you already started the process of saying, we're not going to continue this marriage, so you did Chalitza, then you cannot do Yibam. So even if you want to say, we're not saying that you could do this, but even if you want to say, you could do Yibam and then Chalitza, people might get confused and say, ah, oh, you could really do Chalitza and then Yibam, and we know that that is not, uh, that that is not true. The Gemara now asks a new question. A new question. The Uma. Maybe we should say as follows. We just quoted the verse. The verse said, you're only allowed to do Yibam with one wife, not with uh, both co-wives. With multiple, multiple co-wives. The Gemara says, maybe what the Pasuk is really, what the verse is really teaching us is as follows. Maybe it's telling us, Ki ika chada ki tarki lo Maybe the entire concept of Yibam only applies if there's one sister-in-law. If there's one sister-in-law, the mitzvah yibam applies. But let's say there are multiple multiple co-wives. Maybe the mitzvah yibam doesn't apply. Why not? The Gemara will, is going to reject this. But why not? Maybe I could have said as follows. I could have said that when there's one wife, there's different ways to say this, but maybe if there's one wife, so then that automatically creates a strong bond between the brother-in-law and sister-in-law. But if there are multiple wives, then you can't create such a strong bond between each and every sister-in-law. You can't do that. It's a principle also that we've had earlier, that perhaps you can't do that. And so therefore, maybe the only time that the mitzvah even exists is when there's one co-wife. When there's one wife, essentially, one sister-in-law. But if there are multiple co-wives, so then it's too weak of a connection to each one that there is no mitzvah yibam. The Gemara is going to reject this, but that was a, a, a possibility that's entertained by the Gemara. But the Gemara rejects this and says, Imkain, if this is really true, Saras erba dasar rachman alamali, the Gemara says, we know, going all the way back to the very beginning of the Masechta, of, of this tractate, that there's a concept called Tsaras Erva, that if a person has two wives, there are two co-wives, and one of them is related in some other way to the brother-in-law, we say that both are exempt from the midst of Yibam. And there's a special drasha, there's a special verse in, in the Pasuk, there's a special drasha, expounding of the verse, uh, that we use to for this law. It's a biblical law that there's a total exemption. But if the truth is that anytime there are multiple co-wives, there's an exemption, then I wouldn't need something special about the tsaris erva, about the co-wife of a relative of the brother-in-law. Like, uh, let's say it's the son, the daughter, sorry, the daughter of the brother-in-law. The deceased brother married his niece. Uh, so we say that the co-wife is also exempt. But if uh, if anyways, when there's multiple multiple wives, there's an exemption, I wouldn't need this. A particular case as an exemption. The Gemara says, no, maybe not. Allah Malo, maybe we do need it. Why? No, because maybe if the if one of the co-wives is the brother-in-law, the live brother's daughter, maybe we view it as though they're outside. They're they're not part of this uh, situation. We don't view them as part of the situation. And really, there's only one wife here. Even though he was married to two wives, but because one of the wives is related to the brother-in-law, let's say it's the brother-in-law's daughter, uh, so then, uh, so then we'll say that maybe in this context we'll only view it as though he's married to one wife. So therefore, maybe we need, do need the verse 
that really only one wife is their mitzvah yibam. But in this context of Tzaras Erva, where there are two co-wives, and one of the co-wives is already related to the live brother, so maybe we view it as though there's only one wife, so therefore we need an additional ver- uh, verse, uh, or expounding of a word within the verse, to tell us that, no, there's a total exemption here. That's what one could have said. So we're basically back to our original question. Maybe it's true, maybe if there's only, if the mitzvah yibam only applies if there's one wife, but not if there's two wives, the Gemara says, no, we won't say such a thing. Because there's an extra word in the verse, that extra word in the verse tells us that it, it even applies if there are two wives. Even if there are two wives, multiple wives, multiple co-wives, we say that there is a mitzvah of Yibam. And that's the conclusion of the Gemara. One last uh, line in the Gemara, and then we'll conclude. The Gemara, the last Mishnah says, case number three, a man is married to two women. He passes away without any children. One of the wives was already previously divorced. And so he, she's already forbidden to marry a Kohen. The other wife could marry a Kohen. So the Mishnah says, better to do Chalitza. If you're going to do Chalitza, do Chalitza to the wife, to the co-wife, who cannot marry a Kohen anyways. Because after you do Chalitza, the one who did Chalitza cannot marry a Kohen. So why make it, why make it uh, ruin it for the other wife, who could currently marry a Kohen, do Chalitza to the one who could already not marry a Kohen. So Amr Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, Kanchan Rebbe, this is what Rebbe says, A person should not spill extra water uh, from his pit when other people need it. When other people need it, so it's damaging to other people. It's not direct damage, but you're damaging somebody else because you're not letting them marry a Kohen. They have the opportunity to marry a Kohen. You're not letting them marry a Kohen. Um, and so you're basically wasting their opportunity. You're wasting their opportunity. There's a discussion. Is this a rabbinic prohibition or a biblical prohibition? It's some form of damage, indirect damage by making it worse off for them. But in the end of the day, whether it's biblical or rabbinic, it, it is not allowed. And so therefore, the Mishnah says, you should do chalitza specifically to the one who cannot marry Kohen anyways. This concludes the entire Gemara on this Mishnah. We'll continue with the next Mishnah in the next recording.